Oh yes, this is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. Today's show is sponsored by Ringmaster on a mission to launch B2B podcasts that create relationships, generate revenue, and drive growth. Ringmasterlive.com. Bam. Hello, hello. Gather around. I've got my warm coffee. Feel like curling up with a good book? No, not a good book, because we're about to get schooled by some marketing knowledge here by an expert. I can't wait to introduce my guest today. He's an absolute badass. Why? Why is he that, Casey? Well, he is a marketing leader, which you can expect from this podcast, but he's also a mentor to other marketing leaders. So this is the Jedi that teaches the Jedis, the Yoda's Yoda, if you will. He's seasoned, he's had experience doubling revenue, scaling operations, steering businesses into growth and profitability on global scales. Mentor uh, to CMOs at cmomentor.com, CMO at Build Trust, Grant Johnson. Welcome to the show, sir. Hey, Casey. It's great to be here. That's a fabulous intro. We'll see if I can live up to it to the next uh, uh, several minutes when we have a nice conversation. Heck yeah, man. I'm, I'm excited to have you here. I mean, it's one thing to have a CMO here, but have a CMO CMO here. Let's go. So I'm going to grab this thing. It's heavy, but you told me you work out every single day. So I, I bet you got this. So one second. Here it is. Okay, here we go. Take Thor's hammer, smash for me some kind of marketing myth, bogus, you know, bogus question, bogus strategy. Set the record straight once and for all. Well, we'll we'll start with one of my favorites, and that's uh, attribution. And I just want to, you know, throw that one into the river with a, you know, fast tide. It can just like sail out in the ocean and disappear. Um, I believe that as a CMO, you should also be chief pipeline officer. The CRO or CSO, as often called in different companies, owns the booking. Boy, that's a lot of pressure to deliver the number every quarter. And so I've uh, been asked to, and in recent cases, volunteered to say, look, I'm the chief marketing officer, but I'll take primary responsibility for all pipeline. And one of the reasons to do that is to get out of this battle over how do you have the right attribution? Because the more important question is, are you going to make the number? Are you going to hit the bookings target? Do you have adequate coverage, whatever your multiple is based on uh, the uh, progression, conversion, close rate of, uh, of the waterfall of your pipeline from top of the funnel to, to close one business, right? And while I don't create all the pipeline in any company that I've been at, there are other contributors. They could be the BDR organization. Sure. It could be channel partners, could be sales. And of course, there's pipeline for existing customers, which is generally a little easier to create pipeline for net new logos, which is generally harder to create. But ultimately, mm. I like to call it everybody's pipeline and I ultimately own it. And therefore, I don't get into these heated battles anymore. Like, well, you know, your attribution is only at 67% was supposed to be seven. Well, pipeline's at 110. That's the best number to worry about. Or if I'm exceeding my target, my attribution's at 70%, and the overall company's at 90, I have nothing to celebrate. Right, right. And that, that starts that disconnect right away with sales where we're 
measuring and to your point, celebrating something that doesn't really tie into what our teammates are trying to accomplish. Yeah. And then there's the other thing I think is really important because I've, I've worked on this uh, with my team. I've been at Bill Trust celebrating my one year anniversary yesterday. It flew by. <laughs> so, so one year, you know, I've, I've been, I've, I've been a CMO three times more than three years. That's partly why I mentor other CMOs. How do you survive and thrive, right? You got to survive yeah. first, then you can thrive. So, but here's the interesting thing is we start looking at ROI, uh, return on marketing invested Romy or MROI marketing return on investment, whatever, whatever acronym you want to use. And um, as long as you have a positive ROI in the total cost of marketing, and I can't tell you what ours is, but it's more than, you know, three or four to one, as long as you have that, that's the more important discussion because then you can go to the board and say, look, how much faster do we want to grow? How much more bookings do we want to attain? And instead of saying, well, why aren't you at 70%, you're only at 67% contribution to pipeline. So okay, well, that's not, that's not the most important question. The more, some more important question is how can we raise the bar for the entire company? How can we grow pipeline? And so that's why you shift the conversation. I have to share one anecdote where I made my mind yeah. up. I would never go down that rat hole. And I had uh, a seven figure deal that uh, through funnel analysis, it was clear that it was marketing attributed. And the CEO and founder said to me, well, you know, Grant, I met this person three years ago at a trade show, so it's not really marketing. Well, yeah, you know, I suppose if he had a more than three-year sales cycle, I said, but I don't want to get into that argument. He's the founder and CEO, yeah. right? Isn't a trade show marketing anyways? Yeah, and I like to call trade shows, um, you know, you, you, you're not always going to get the best investment. Obviously, a customer event is if you have your annual user conference, whatever they might be called, the X world, XYZ world, right? But, uh, you know, trade shows, you can often get what I call intercept marketing. Like, they may not know you're in their solution set, but they're at the show anyway. So put on a good event, have a, you know, compelling uh, booth presence and all the rest of the pre, during and post show marketing you do. And you might intercept a process. Oh my God, you're a better solution than the one that I thought was the best solution. Now, uh, that's not something you want to count on, but it can happen at a trade show. Yeah. Hey, but to your, to your point, I mean, I kind of sidetracked you a little bit, but to your point, don't even get in those kind of conversations. It's not about needling over stupid percentages of how much I contributed based on some subjective or maybe tracked thing. Like, don't even get into that contest. Well, and then you can also progress the conversations. What are we doing to help, uh, you know, some people said the MQL is dead. I don't know. You've got to start somewhere, right? I'm not necessarily of that philosophy. But then we start getting to, well, you know, what's our conversion rate at each key stage and how can marketing help us go from an unqualified lead to a qualified lead from a, from a, a, a stage one to a stage two, right? And or can we help with velocity because we've got an intent platform that shows us, hey, of these 25 target accounts, these 10 are really surging. They're, they're really active. I mean, all my peers are using some sort of, I won't name who we're using, but because they're all good, you just have to make them work for you. They're all using some right. sort of ABM intent platform and other types of, you know, signals on their website and, you know, through their digital presence. And that's when you just have a, a more meaningful conversation. Like, let us help you make the number versus like, you know, did we get enough leads, right? Because ultimately, 
you're going to have to progress enough to close, you know, whether you need a 3x multiple or a 4x, whatever it might be, depends on the nature of your business and the maturity of your operations. But uh, that's another reason just to get away from that earlier stage this, you know, controversy and move it into, hey, we're trying to both close business, right? You come into an organization and the sales leader is not jiving with you. You're not clicking and they are not on board with you taking ownership of pipe and they don't want to collaborate. They're old school sales. What do you do in that situation? Or if it's not you, if you're advising someone, how do you, what do you advise that CMO to do in that situation? Yeah, you know, that's a tough one. I'm actually advising someone right now where um, I, I sort of describe there's, there's two types of sales leaders. One that's, we're in it together, that a one is that I'm going to succeed no matter what. And that if that means that you will fall short. And so um, I, you know, one of the things we're at the beginning of the planning year, I've, I've suggested one of the, uh, uh, you know, early career CMOs that I'm mentoring, uh, which is taken to heart, said, look, let's sit down and, and let's establish mutual goals. Like, what are the goals that we both want to sign up for, even if we have contributing uh, unequal contribution to those goals? So we need a certain amount of pipeline or a number of units if you're selling a product. Um, in order to get that, we're going to have to do X, Y, and Z activities. Um, I'm going to take ownership for these. You'll take ownership for those. Our teams will work together. And, you know, if you can't get the CRO uh, to to agree to mutual shared goals and outcomes, it's going to be an ongoing battle. Uh, and that's just sort of a personality conflict. You may have to go to the CEO to resolve because some of the best uh, partnerships I've seen, in fact, I probably know 100 CMOs and one was telling me where when they present to the board, they do every other slide. It's a joint sales and marketing. I mean, that's about how good it could get. I don't know you have to actually orchestrate it to where, you know, you finish each other's sentences and you go every other slide. Yeah. But you should both know the numbers equally well and be in it together. And uh, that's what I think you need to do. But you really bring up one of the fundamental issues that a lot of CMOs face, early stage CMOs, or say you're new to the company and somebody's been there and has, you know, made eight straight quarters. And what are you going to do for me, a marketer? Like, you know, it's been raining uh, leads and like you just showed up and the economy slowed down. So what are you going to do about yeah. it? Like, how are we going to close this gap? And uh, one of the things that does help, and again, this is what, there's tons of these philosophical arguments that occur, in, especially in my space of B2B, I'm sure in B2C as well, where it's who owns the SDRs, the BDRs, ADRs, whatever you want to call the business developments. Yeah. And I argue that if you can't own them, you should own them in marketing because that's really going to help you get speed to lead. Like you've got, you know, uh, on your website, you got some sort of chat tool and you're the first to respond. That's going to help you if you've got a process that not let, you know, any customer go untouched or prospect for whatever that SLA is. And then, you know, fresh is best and you, and you get those leads. Now, if, you know, the SDRs are out doing other things for the sales organizations, they're not giving you feedback on, you know, what messages, what offers, what products, what segments, you know, what themes are resonating, you're not getting the same value. So if you don't have that report to you, then you definitely need to have alignment and ongoing, you know, dialogue. Um, I think, you know, again, it's, it's a connected go-to-market motion where sales, marketing, 
SDRs and channels, if that's part of your ecosystem, are all sharing information uh, in sync to move the ball forward. So I think that's another where you can kind of get out of sync if you don't have the SDRs and you're not having a collaborative relationship where you're getting ongoing feedback loops because you can throw anything over the wall. And the, the, unfortunately, just like throwing darts with your eyes closed, you're going to miss half the time. Yeah, and that makes some holes in the wall too, which... Yeah, I would miss half the time. Maybe maybe you'd make it half the time. I don't know. Yeah. Or more. <laughs> no, I'm not not some, uh, you know, bar darts ringer and just waiting to bet somebody. Yeah, you're missing yeah. if you're closing your eyes. You know, a lot of times, you know, people like to compare starting moves in chess. Do you see some core starting moves for taking on a new position as the marketing leader, as the CMO of an organization? Are there some key moves you need to make? That's a great question. And uh, like you might imagine, as a five-time CMO, I've, I've made plenty of mistakes and I try to avoid making the same mistake twice, right? That's, uh, that, that's really a key learning uh, opportunity. And uh, I, I do a 100-day game plan. Uh, and, you know, part of that is informed by the, the, the dance or the dialogue that you have in trying to decide, hey, do I want to work with these folks? This is the kind of opportunity for me. Um, you know, will I have fun? Will I be challenged? Will I be rewarded? Uh, what's my team like? And so you have that plan. But in that is, like you say, it's, uh, I don't know if there's one thing, you know, like low-hanging fruit is the term that's often used or quick wins. And so I, I sort of identify what are those things that I can get points on the board in the first 90 days, the next 90 days, you know, the first uh, six months, the next six months. And uh, what resources do I have, human and financial? Uh, what support do I have or will I need to, to uh uh, get on board to make this happen. And I, mean, I reflect on, I mean, it's just a good timing that I'm talking with you today, Casey, because, you know, as I look at the year, we, uh, we did a little video, uh, marketing does that among other things that we sort of celebrated some of the nice. key accomplishments for the company of the year. And a lot of those key accomplishments were part of what marketing was involved in. So we, we launched a new global website. We won best SaaS website of the year. So we're at a category that's accounts receivable order to cash. Uh, in financial process automation, but we won best SaaS website. So other SaaS companies could be in different categories. That was a pretty good achievement. It was a whole new platform, it was a whole new information architecture, easier to navigate. And of course we track all the stats you would track on page visits, time on site, bounce rate, you know, conversions, web fill, form fills, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we launched a new brand purpose, moving finance forward. And that was a big win. Uh, we launched uh, new mission, vision, values for the company. And I was uh, one of the leaders in the executive team behind that. And so you sort of identify your best practices, your, what your competitors are doing. Sometimes, hey, you know, we have a competitive disadvantage. We've got to make up that gap. Uh, we had a certain gap that I uh, had noticed and we just went on the offensive and content marketing. We just, we created so much uh, share of voice that uh, at the end of the day, it looked like we were the leader, right? Yeah, yeah. So those are the types of things. Now, you also have to be mindful of what your peers see as gaps, the CEO, what he see or she sees as a gap, uh, you know, product team or sales team, the, the other areas that, you know, you have to sort of weigh what's it going to take to make up that gap or how long is it going to take? Uh, and then you just sort of use your judgment and push forward those initiatives. I like the uh, uh, metric of the top 10 things, right? Yeah. So, you know, you can have top three, top five, you know, what are the top 10 initiatives? And I try to map the initiatives, the company's strategic objectives or key, you know, outcomes that it's trying to achieve. So you can show marketing 
is aligned to the business, right? We've gone way past the days where marketing is a bunch of activities. Marketing is outcomes. That's where the best marketers succeed. They drive outcomes, they deliver outcomes, they're continually improving. And with, you know, chat GPT and generation AI, there's, there's more tools than ever to help us do that. The, the hard part is which ones do you use? <laughs> yeah, right, right. And, and prioritizing and, and choosing, right? Placing your bets, if you will. Yeah, exactly. And that's a judgment thing, right? And, you know, it, it, I, I learned early on, I was, I was talking to a, uh, a CEO of a multi-billion dollar company it, right before he was 40. And I said, like, how the heck did you get here? Because, like, I was early 30s and, you know, maybe not as ambitious as he was. Sure. I wasn't aiming to become CEO. It's like, there's, it wasn't accidental, right? And he said, look, I would just always, every time I come into company, I'd look at, you know, what's working, what's not working, what are some opportunities we haven't considered? And I would go attack that. I said, really? He said, yeah, I wouldn't do all the work. I would marshal the resources. And if I was wrong, I would note, note if, or if the initiative wasn't panning out, I would cut losses, pivot fast, and not just keep hitting my head against the wall. And eventually this individual's track record of, of you know, progressive successes led him to that stage. That's a really good idea. And I've always, uh, as a lead marketer, as on my way up, it might've been different, but I, I've got the, uh, the conferred authority to take more risk because I ultimately own the budget. So I say, look, we got to try stuff out all the time. Fail fast has got to be the mentor. We're not going to succeed, right? On everything we do, but if we succeed on something, it could be wildly successful and we can do lots more of it. But if we fail fast, it doesn't really matter because we, you know, we bet 5,000 or 10,000 or something that's manageable within whatever your budget might be. Right. Right. Okay. Um, for those listening that maybe are just uh, not yet in that role, but they want to strive to be that senior marketer in a large organization, what are the kind of areas they should either invest their time or their learning, their skills? Where, where should they place their bets? That's a great question. And it's, it is one of those, it depends, uh, you know, the, where, if you want to be a VP of marketing and you want to be a, uh, head of marketing or chief marketing officer, um, I would certainly, uh, build your network, um, uh, you know, talk to people who've gotten there. I had a very intentional path. Like, okay, I got to manager, senior manager, director, senior director, VP, CMO. And that it took, it took years, you know, each step took time. And I was like, this is where I'd set my sights on it. I had mentors along the way. Um, in fact, I took over for one of my mentors at a, at a, a company, uh, at one point and, uh, which was just, you know, interesting coincidence and, you know, talk to those folks and find out like, how did you get to where you are? Like I'm mentoring somebody, for example, at our company who is probably two steps away, you know, from getting to a, a CMO. And they probably will get to it at our company, mm -hmm. uh, trying to get this person to that next level. And to say, here's how you broaden your skills. So, I mean, that's, that's one thing is being intentional. Second thing is you've got to get uh, 360 degree feedback, you know, get it from your peers, get it from people outside of marketing. I think sales tend to be brutally honest. If you can handle that, that's good. You know, like this piece of, uh, this program sucked or this, <laughs> you know, this collateral didn't, this ROI calculated the customer laughed at. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's like, it's not believable you know, whatever it might be. Um, and then, but, you know, the support groups, I, I'm part of uh, uh, CMO huddles 
and uh, CMO Collaborative. Those mm. are two good CMO organizations. There's, there's a dozen, I'm sure, right? That's all I have time for. Uh, but you ha- find birds of a feather, find other like organizations, individuals maybe one step ahead who are willing to give time. I love at this point in my career helping others. That's partly why I mentor, but I'll help people in a non-paid, just like, hey, somebody's looking for a recommendation on an agency or a recommendation on a PR firm. I just think you pay it forward, right? It's just like the, the thing you do. But yeah, if, if you're earlier, you have to decide where you want to go, what you're willing to do to get there. In other words, how hard do you want to work? And my last piece of advice is be a plusser. That means is do more than expected. That's how you get noticed. It's like, wow, that was, here was the assignment and you delivered X plus times two, right? And we just, uh, at our company, we're, uh, we have a CEO excellence awards. A lot of companies do this, you know, are like 750 people and, you know, approached a couple uh, uh, large, uh, you know, size, larger size for the company. Yeah. And, um, we've been around 20 plus years at Bill Trust. And so you don't get nominated for CEO excellence award by just showing up, <laughs> you know, you've got to do a lot more and like, yeah. you know, so if there are those kinds of awards that you could aspire to, you know, you, again, you talk to, why were you single that last year? What did you do that was so special or extra? effort that you put in, or, you know, I just say like, you know, just lean in and, uh, you know, the only constant has changed. The work will teach you. It's okay to make mistakes. Hopefully you're in a culture where that doesn't, you know, excoriate people who fail, you know, what can we learn from that? Powerful. I mean, my next question really is been growing on me for a while. Who are you? Like, how do you know all these things? You touched on a little bit with a little bit of your past, but Take me back to little you days, right? What was it like growing up? Did you know you were going to be, did little Grant know he was going to be running marketing organizations, multi-time CMO? Take me back in time. What was it like? (laughs) Look, I had no idea. (laughs) (laughs) I was born in LA and I love movies. I like telling stories, as you might get a sense. And I was captivated by sight, sound, and motion. Uh, Like a lot of folks, you know, had a, film class and, you know, thought about that industry. But I got my first tech job in the early 20s. And I was very fortunate that it was rotational assignment. Mm. And I don't know how many companies do that. Like you're an engineer, you know, you're a salesperson, you know, you're, you're in, in human resources or talent or whatever it might be. Um, so I, they started me in production that bored me to tears. Like, you know, the, and I get it, it's important. Things have to be built around the world. Uh, and then I was, uh, I was in administration and, you know, policies, procedures that, that also, uh, my eyes were widening up every day. I think, uh, I needed toothpicks to keep them open. But then I hit sales and marketing and I said, wow, this is where the action is. We've got these trade shows. We're doing advertising. We're talking to customers. I'm doing these demos. The early days of computers, I won't tell you what keystrokes I was using, what computer it was, but it was a computer. At least it wasn't an abacus. It wasn't that long ago, but you know, I said, this is where the action is. And so I decided like, I'm going to go down. I started in product marketing and, um, you know, I, and when I was early in product marketing to see like, there's a couple fundamental areas in B2B, uh, organizations mm-hmm. and product marketing is one in demand gen or revenue marketing. It's often called today. Those are kind of the drivers. So I, I, I kind of got expertise in both those areas. And eventually somebody took a chance on me. Uh, and said, look, I think you've got enough skills. Maybe you're not, you know, a world-class, uh, uh, you know, Marcom person, right? Like yeah. 
I can edit anything, but I can't. Give me a blank piece of paper and have me write a you know, five-page white paper. That, that's not me. I can edit a 10-page white paper. I'm not going to just do that, right? right? But that's fine. Everybody has different skill sets. Some people, I think I'm strong in branding, but I, I, didn't, I didn't come up the agency role. Some people come up with the agency role. They're brilliant at branding, right? They've done these, especially CPG backgrounds, I think are great. P&G, you, you name it, yeah. Unilever. But, um, but so I picked those two areas and then eventually you, you, know, you have to surround yourself with like where you're not strong, you have people that are stronger and you can learn from the overtime. Eventually, when you've done this a few times, you should have strength every area. But that's kind of sort of the path I took. And I, I had started in uh, hardware. I was actually director of product marketing for Toshiba <laughs> notebook computers. And then I went to Symantec. And when I got to software, I said, hey, you know, this is, a, I like the, uh, the fact that it's the intangible and it gives you more uh, intellectual uh, proving ground to convince a buyer of something that you can't see or touch. Well, yeah, you touch the keyboard. You don't really touch the software, right? Unless you're coding. Um, that can change their business, right? Nice. And you, I sort of feel like I've done cybersecurity. I've done uh, business process automation. Now we're doing uh, financial process automation or otherwise known as uh, a fintech and payments and so forth. And uh, we're, we're providing gain. We're, we're, not, we're not avoiding pain, which is like if you're in cybersecurity, you don't want to get hacked or, you know, you get, uh, uh, you know, phished or anything, uh, uh, malware, ransomware. But I like, you know, selling gain, not avoiding pain. And so that, for me, I sort of, I'd gotten to software, then I pecked my niche in software. Like, I like helping individuals improve. That's why I coach. Helping businesses improve. Helping our customers improve. That's where I get satisfaction, right? So that's why... Uh, I've never had that cognitive dissonance. I think the worst thing that happens, you pick a career unintentionally and you get to whatever your age is, 40, 50, I don't know, you get somewhere, oh shit, I don't really like doing this, Yeah. right? And people say to me like, well, like, where do you get your energy from? It's the best time ever to be in marketing. I was just talking to one of our board members and um, pretty uh, well-known person who uh, says, don't you feel like we're just getting started? And I feel, I do, I feel like we've learned a ton but the future is so promising. We have to make it. We have to be responsible when it comes to Gen AI and things like that. Yep. But uh, you, you have more tools at your disposal to make the most of what your potential is as, as an individual and as a business. Yeah. Man, it's, it's crazy to, to like look back and, and, and reflect that forward, you know? Yeah, well, I'll have to tell you, back in 2002 at Frontbridge, I was spending 70000 a month of this thing called, you know, PPC. Like we were, I don't know when Google got rolling, but this is like 20 years ago. I was just starting. I was old. I was a VP. I had not made CMO yet. Sure. You know, it's a number of years later. But oh, we didn't know what the hell we were doing. Like, hey, this thing, I think it's working. I mean, I think it's delivering leads. Yeah. Now the thing is so sophisticated, you need a specialist running that. I think I just had my marketing manager among five other things they did it. By the way, this, let's get the Google thing going because we know that's going to deliver leads to our website and, and so forth. And, but yeah, you're right. It's coming. Like in the last 20 years, it's amazing how much tech has evolved. Right. You've got to be a MarTech expert among other things, or at least have, you know, people on your team who you trust that are really deep in all the technologies and, and the connectivity, yeah. like all the APIs and you know, syncs that you have to do, uh, you know, uh, just like a website, so many things have to go right uh, for it to operate at 99.9% .9 your MarTech stack. 
if you if you have your lead routing system goes wacky, you're going to hear from it from sales. So you know, make sure that's working all the time too. Well, I've got a bit of an I have another question for you. It's a bit of a hypothetical question. <laughs> so I may or may not have a time machine here in New Hampshire. So you come visit, we get some lobster, get some beer, and we go use the time machine. It's in the backyard, you know, covered in tarp. And it's a particular kind of time machine where you get to go chat with yourself. You get to meet yourself, have a conversation, and it's the it's the you that just had four days ago got that poli-sci degree, that undergrad degree that you got. So you talk to yourself at that age. What are you telling yourself? What kind of advice, recommendations? What kind of things are you telling yourself? Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned poli-sci. I was 21 years old, and one of my most uh, influential professors, Raghavan Iyer, Never forget his name. He would he would come with no notes, speak in in lucid paragraphs, and he said, "You guys don't know anything." <laughs> Maybe he was forties. He was an old old guy. He says, "But what what you should know is, um, choose your path wisely. Choose an intentional path. What you don't want to do is get to fifty. Doesn't matter forty, fifty. So you pick a number, and say, I wish I had gone here.' Mm. And so I think that's I would tell you know myself back then." The same thing is like, you know, try some stuff out, you know, see what feels right. You know, if your parents say do this, that doesn't mean you should do this. It's got to feel right to you. I, for example, my brother-in-law, you know, his father and his grandfather uh, were attorneys. So he's like, he should be an attorney. Seven years into it, he's miserable. You know, now he's a very successful um, chief investment officer for, you know, for funds. Yeah, and, he, and he loves what he does, right? So, you, you know, you may not discover your first thing. Uh, and the other thing I would say is take more risk. I mean, I, I've got, you know, kids in their early twenties now. So I like take more risk. You want to go do something, try it out. Yeah. Same thing with, you know, business like, Hey, you may not, first thing may not, you may not strike gold. That's okay. Yeah. But, uh, I think a lot of people, especially if you're in a corporate setting, you feel like there's, there's norms, there's values, there's culture. I think it's all changed with, you know, what I call the post COVID era. Uh, we all have learned sometimes I stop to wonder how did we do this so easily that we can run businesses and run teams of, you know, tens to hundreds to thousands looking at a computer screen like I'm doing right now. Uh, yes, we meet in, in person as often as we can, but, you know, take, take more risk, um, both personally and professionally. Um, and cause you can learn by where you fall short, right? If, if you're just always playing it safe and you're, you're, you're afraid of what's around the corner, you're still going to get sideswiped. I mean, you know, you can't predict what's going to happen. And uh, in fact, uh, you know, I just think being present and, and, and puts you in that a better position to like, I'm open to what may happen that I can't control and I don't know, Yeah, but I'll deal with it. Right. And I think managing change is one of the key and, and dealing with ambiguity uh, strengths that people have interpersonally to succeed in life as well as business. Right. Right. Man. Well, wise words. I can, I can tell you've been, you've been in just a few places, just a few companies, <laughs> just done just a few things, man. Extensive. So where if people want to connect with you either just to, to chat more or for some mentorship, any of that, where do you want them to go? What places, what sites, what URLs, all that? 
Yeah, I, uh, it's fairly easy. My, uh, my, my, my Gmail is Grant E. Johnson one. I'm the one, There's, but somebody's two, I'm sure. <laughs> Grant E. Johnson one at Gmail. Uh, CMO Mentor, and I appreciate Casey mentioned, cmomentor.com. It has my contact information. And I just wrote another blog because I know a lot of CMOs and I feel former in transition, like read this first, like before you take your next CMO, like here are all the questions they ask, the things that you want to make sure feel right. Uh, so yeah, that would, uh, that's the best way to connect with me via, via LinkedIn and, and, uh, the Grantee Johnson one at Gmail. And that blog post sounds fantastic. Uh, a little bit of preparation can help you avoid some pain later. So we will link to that blog post in the show notes. So people can just, if you're listening to this, just click right through. You can save it to your phone, add to your reading list. Uh, Grant, man, thank you so much for coming on here. Schooling me on, on all sorts of stuff. Everything from attribution to just putting the right foot forward and taking the right opening moves at a new position, new organization. I appreciate you coming on here. Casey, it's my pleasure. I always love, you know, sharing some of what I've learned and, uh, uh, I hope, uh, uh, it's, uh, it's helpful to others, uh, and they can avoid some of my mistakes and, you know, get there faster, perhaps if they have the ambition and they put in the effort. I, I always say, you know, uh, don't complain about the results you didn't get for the work you didn't do. <laughs> but when you put the work in, the results will generally follow. Boom. That's a mic drop moment right there. Those listening to this, if you learned something and I freaking know you did, then share this with one person, nine people, 3,000 people. It's not about the number. It's about what you got. What was your takeaway? Put that in LinkedIn. Tag Grant. Tag myself. Let's create a little conversation. And, and thanks again, man. This has been great. Thank you, dude. Nice talking to you. Take good care. Enjoy the rest of the week. 